0: Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us today, Robin Marty, who is the author of the new handbook for a post Roe America: The Complete Guide to Abortion Legality, Access, and Practical Support. The perfect book for this moment. Now back to Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome back to the with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us on the phone, Robin Marty, author of New Ham Book for a Post Row America and also operations director of Alabama West. Um, we are so grateful to have you here because you are the person, first of all, you wrote this book way before last week. <laughs> so um, shout out to you um, for for giving us a guide well before it was actually necessary, but also to to your point, and if you read the book, you understand this very clearly, in many parts of the country, post-Roe was already the reality. Um, so good morning to you. Um, good morning, Thank um, so you so much for me here. But, but I, that's really my first question. Um, you know, you, you moved to Alabama. Um, you know, Alabama, states like Mississippi, um, obviously we know about Texas, Texas. Um, they didn't really have abortion access uh, before uh, Friday. Like it wasn't super, super easy to obtain abortion care and health care, you know, if you were pregnant and did not want to be in those states anyway. So talk about what it was like in Alabama before Friday um, and, and what lessons we can learn from your work in Alabama to apply to now half the country
1: so alabama i've been down here for a little over a year now i moved down here from minnesota in order to help run the west alabama women's center and that um center i guess i can no longer call it an abortion clinic thanks alabama um it was responsible for about half of the abortions in the state of alabama that's the reason why Yellowhammer fund decided to purchase it in 2020 when the original owner wanted to retire because There are so few clinics, especially in the Gulf region, that if that clinic had disappeared, it would have decimated access as it was. Alabama is a state that had a 48-hour waiting period that required a person to come in, have an ultrasound, have counseling, receive state-mandated information that was supposed to talk them out of their abortion. And then they had to leave for at least 48 hours before they could come back and actually have their procedure. So this was already a landscape that was very difficult. There were three abortion providers in Alabama. There was one in Mississippi. Um, There were three in Louisiana, and then there were about 15 in Texas, and it was hard. But then what people have kind of lost track of is that in September of 2021, Texas lost abortion access almost entirely. And so for the last 10 months, we've been dealing with this wave of people who have been leaving Texas in order to leave the state to get abortion care. Um, I believe there was a report that just came out that said that by the point in which the decision happened, 1200 people a month were leaving the state in order to access abortions. And to put that in perspective, The West Alabama Women's Center usually did about twice that amount of abortions in a year. So the amount of people flooding out was taking over all of the other clinics that were surrounding it. And then, of course, about a month ago, um, the state of Oklahoma completely banned abortion as well. And so things got... More and more overwhelmed as clinics, especially through the Gulf, were overflowing and people couldn't get care. So the perspective from Alabama is that at the beginning of 2022, we were seeing about 200 patients a month. Um, And of those, maybe 25 were from out of state and mostly from Mississippi because they couldn't get it in time or they needed to come to us for other reasons. Um, And then as of last month, we were on track to about 400 abortions for the month. Um, That did not happen because we had to close down a week early, but we were on track for 400 abortions and 25% of those abortions, about 100 people were coming from out of state, Um, not just Mississippi, but Louisiana and Texas. We had Texas patients that came in every week in order to get care because they had to now travel four states to be able to get an abortion that was supposed to be their legal right.
0: It is so scary to hear that laid out um, because we're talking, again, about before Friday. Um, we're yeah, that, that, about, that was
1: when things were good.
0: Right. Yeah. Before, good in quotes, but bef- better. They were better yeah. than, than now. Um, so let's talk about now. Um, yeah. Obviously, things weren't great, as you just laid out there. But how are they going to get worse in the, in the near term?
1: Yeah, so on Friday, we were only seeing first day appointments, Um, so just counseling and, and ultrasounds, and we had 21 patients in our lobby when the decision came down, and we knew prior to this, because of our planning, that the moment that the decision came down, we could no longer provide any more care. Um, so that was 21 patients that were in our lobby that we had to tell every single one of them that abortion was no longer legal in Alabama and that they were no longer able to really even begin the process to get an abortion in our clinic. Um, I'm actually quite glad that we did that because now we're hearing even more confusion about whether even pre-abortion services could have gotten us in trouble. Mm. Um, we spent the last week. Well, the last couple of days in the weekend, um, finding and contacting all of our patients who had already had first day appointments and were supposed to return to have their abortions this week. And that was about a hundred patients. Um, contacted each of them, told them where the next nearest clinic was that had availability, which was in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and then asked them what sort of help they needed to get there because these are patients that either were not from Alabama or, Even if they were in Alabama, the amount of logistics and the effort that was necessary for them just to get into our clinic was a lot. And so now suddenly we had to tell them, not only do they have to start over, but they have to do that another three and a half hours away. So we did that. Um, At this point, there is no legal abortion available in Alabama. I'm sorry. This has been a really hard week. No, There's no, no I I'm available. I'm with you in the
0: emotional. I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about what it would be like to be in a waiting room and then told was, that you can't actually choose to what you want with your body. Like in that moment. It was like awful. Moment I. Like.
1: I was actually at home because I didn't think the decision was coming on Friday. I, I thought it was coming the next Friday. week too. I have to be honest. I, thought I it was, was like, Oh, be, they dropped we this early. Everything for the idea that the decision would be on Monday. Right. We were going through these patients. All of those patients would have been through their 48 hour wait and they would have been in on Monday and every single one of them would have been able to get their care because we would have had it completed before that decision came down. Um, and Each one of them was denied. We had sexual assault people. We had one person that we know can't leave the state um, for a variety of reasons. We had minors that were there with their parents and we had to turn every one of them away. And if it had just been one more day, they all would have gotten care. Um, But so yeah, there's no legal abortion in Alabama. Um, There is legal abortion ironically at the clinic in Mississippi for another week, I believe, before their trigger will go into effect. Um, Louisiana had all abortions stopped, but one clinic did challenge it and they are open now until the 7th, which is when they have their next court hearing, Texas went completely dark. um, So even their six weeks weren't allowed, but, and to be clear, six weeks is two weeks past a missed period at best. Um, But they just filed a temporary restraining order. So they now have those two weeks back until the courts decide otherwise. And that's the part that's so frustrating and hard for those of us who work in clinics is that the landscape is different every single day. At least prior to this, we had some sort of understanding of what was happening, but Utah was gone and now Utah's back. Idaho was gone. I believe Idaho's back for a minute. Um, Nine states disappeared overnight and now some of them are back or just one clinic is back or just a couple of weeks is back. And we don't know how to schedule people anywhere else or help people go anywhere else because by the time they can get an appointment, it might be gone again. How do you decide where a person can access an abortion when at this point everything is so fluid that it literally disappears clinic by clinic overnight?
0: That is such an important point that I I don't think people fully understand about this moment, that basically what the courts did by uh, the Supreme Court did by sending it, quote unquote, back to the states is just created chaos, complete and total chaos. Um, And a a part of the chaos that I've been reading a lot more about and um, reading threads by uh, OBGYNs and abortion providers is the fact that because some of these these laws in the states Criminalized or penalized, or you know, open to civil liability, the actual doctor, the medical provider, the abortion provider, even in instances where abortion is the health care that is prescribed for that particular medical emergency, that doctors, instead of doing whatever they need to do to deal with the emergency medically. They get on the phone with lawyers, the hospital, to see what their (laughs) legal exposure could be potentially for, you know, performing an abortion because of an ectopic pregnancy or some other type of medical emergency. I mean, talk about that piece of this from the perspective of an abortion provider and the uncertainty there, because it is about, yes, the patients that are impacted, but also the medical providers who now are like, do I call the lawyer to see if I can do this medical procedure to save the life of this person. And they're going to die while I'm talking to the lawyer on the phone.
1: It's completely harrowing at this point. Um, We had a local news station that did a story talking to a criminal lawyer who um, was contacted by some doctors. Um, I'm going to be completely frank and, and angry right now. The Alabama Medical Society could have stepped up at any point in this and actually tried to push for something or tried to make their voices heard. They're only doing it now because now they're worried that their licenses are at risk. Mm -hmm. Um, Doctors in Alabama, by and large, were not providing abortions even in medically indicated situations. We saw so many patients who would go into emergency rooms with bleeding Um, Go into emergency rooms because they thought they were having ectopics, go into emergency rooms because they thought they were having miscarriages, and not be examined. Um, I do not know if it was because the doctors did not feel trained to care for them, which is very possible because now we are in a state where I do not believe anybody will get training in how to do DNCs, and when they do, they will be very minimal. Um, We had a patient who went to our local hospital because she was having an ectopic and that hospital did not have methotrexate. And by the time they were able to get her to a hospital that did, her tube was about to rupture. They did laparoscopic surgery on her instead, which is removal of the tube. Um, They punctured her bowel, all because of a lack of having medication on site that should have taken care of that ectopic. Um, We don't know what constitutes a medical emergency out here in alabama and even worse when that lawyer asked the attorney general to please help define exact cases so that we would know the attorney general has yet to respond Uh. so we're flying blind we don't know what constitutes an emergency what we do know is Right now in Tuscaloosa, um, we intend to, we've, we've closed. We had to close because this is so ambiguous and we don't know how to keep our staff safe, um, but also in order to provide a very clear delineation between us having seized all elective abortion, as including referrals, And are reopening on the 11th of July as a reproductive health care center that does not provide any abortions or abortion referrals, but provides all of these other reproductive health care services that are extraordinarily needed in Alabama. But will also be available if a person has a pregnancy complication and does not feel safe going into their hospital. And so that's what we're trying to figure out is what can we do with ectopics? Can we give methotrexate or do we have to send them to a hospital and wait until their vitals go down? Um, mm. Are we able to see if somebody is very obviously bleeding, do we need to track their hemoglobin until the point in which they're about to bleed out? Do we need to, is if we have labs that show that they are clearly having a miscarriage because their HCG is going down over a period of time, is it safe for us to then do a DNC knowing that that is a miscarriage and will never be a viable pregnancy. These are all the questions that we're asking and that we need to figure out before we open again, because we know that people aren't going to go to their hospitals because now they are afraid that they are going to be accused of trying to manage their own abortion. Mm -hmm. And if you look at these new laws, especially if you look at the model legislation, the National Right to Life Committee is telling red states to pass. And apparently they have pulled it down now that everybody has seen it and seen how bad it is but the idea of aiding and abetting someone who has a an alleged illegal abortion we're talking yes the person who does it would not be criminalized but they're going to investigate everyone and we're not just talking about investigating their healthcare doctors their healthcare providers we're talking about they're going to ask their families uh-huh. and we are speaking about A very poor community, but also a very black community Mm -hmm. that is going to go into emergency rooms because that is their only healthcare option out here. And then they're going to be suspected of having done something, even if they're just having a natural miscarriage and their family is going to be investigated. They're going to get CPS involved if they think that somebody has done something, because we know how these families are criminalized already. We know how they are surveilled already. And this is just opening the door for more of that.
0: It's so scary to think about this. Um, uh, my head hurts just a little bit. Um, my but heart I do, hurts before I, my heart. My heart is also aching, but my head is like pound. It's like as you're talking, yeah. it's just like pounding. Um, and I don't get headaches. Like, this is a rare moment, but I want to pivot.
1: I'm sorry I broke you. No, no, no. It's okay.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It, I needed it. I needed it um, because I, you know, I feel a sense of urgency, but you can always feel a greater sense of urgency. Um, and this is an important conversation because I think it's it's just put in really, really stark terms. And that's the reality we're living in. So I want to pivot, though, to what people can do, because one of the things that you you wrote in The New York Times and, and also in your book is like thinking Local about this, thinking about your own community, what can you can do in the, on the local level to assist people who need um, health care and don't have the access, so let's pivot to what we can do. Because I think we're all feeling a little despondent. We need
1: a Yeah. We need a little happy moment. We need, well, and honestly that's why I wrote the book was because I knew that when this moment came, everybody wants to do something because that makes you feel powerful. That makes you feel like you are making a difference and that engages you in the movement. And that's important right now. That is so important right now. And the truth is that there is luckily access entry points for any person who is new at any level of knowledge and in any place in the united states so that's that's the good news um and getting involved locally is the most important thing that a person can do. But one of the things that as activists, providers, everything else, we're trying to make sure that people understand is when you are coming into these new spaces, it is very important to understand that this is a movement that is trying to help people who no longer have access to basic bodily autonomy. And as such, um, you need to understand that these are leaders who have been doing this work for decades. Um, and it's very important to ask, what can I do? And not go in saying, I want to do this. Um, I have, I've had a lot of people reach out, very honestly, goodwilled, um, best of intentions that say, I want to house somebody who is going to need to go get an abortion And that's not something that we are equipped or feel comfortable doing at this moment. Um, Mm -hmm. I can direct them over to Apiary Practical Support, and they can put themselves onto a list where they can be vetted in order to do something like this. But that's not something I can do. That's not something I can do in Alabama. And not when people are told that that's not something that is helpful at this moment, that's when you pivot to what do you need? Um, It's very important not to center yourself in this moment, um, and even with the best of intentions, so many people do that. So the best thing a person can do locally is find out who is already doing that work, because I guarantee you there is somebody either in your city, in your state, in your region who is already doing this, and you just need to look for them and find them. Um, I do have a state by state guide that is up on postrowhandbook.com. It's not as updated as I would like because in the last Last year I, I i pivoted to trying to keep the clinic in alabama open so i haven't been able to update it but there's still a lot of information on there of groups that have existed prior to the last year Um so people can go on there and find their local contacts figure out what it is that they want to be able to do always give money money is so important yeah. right now um And it's gonna be especially important because when we're looking at the South, especially once this settles in the next month, there is going to be no abortion access. Um, We are going to be lucky if there is first trimester abortion in Florida by the time this is done. And we are going to, oh shoot, tomorrow is the day that Florida's um, 15 week abortion ban goes into effect. So if the courts do not block it, and I have no faith that the court is going to block it, there is no um, there's no abortion after the first trimester in the Gulf at all, anywhere. It's gone, and. That's the good outcome. Um, The more likely outcome in my honest opinion is that the the state Supreme Court will take this moment because it has been converted into a very, very far right body over the last few years. And they're gonna say that the state of Florida has no constitutional right to an abortion. And then there's going to be a law that will make all abortion gone. And then we are talking about an area from Texas all the way to the ocean where the closest legal abortion will, within a matter of months, be in North Carolina or Southern Illinois. And I need to make it very clear that this is not just an abortion thing. The problem is that this is also the same area of the country that has failed to expand Medicaid and has done that very purposefully. So people don't have access to contraception down here. They don't have access to preventative care. They don't have access to prenatal care. We're already, we've already been contacted by patients who are finally eligible to get onto Medicaid simply because they are pregnant. And so there's an expansion just for that very narrow window. But the amount of time it's taking for them to get onto the Medicaid and then find a doctor who will take it um, is taking them past when they need their first bits of prenatal care. So we are doing
0: Listening to Mornings with Zerlina, check in for new episodes every weekday.